at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week I'm joined by Sif Pop editor, Robert. Hello. And Sif Pop staff writer, Shane. How's it going, everyone? We write for SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and lots of other movie-related articles. Make sure to check out SifPop.com to keep up with all of that. Uh, we wrapped up with the Sifties recently. Uh, as we're recording today, which is set launches tomorrow, we got the um, the oscars roundtable thing that is live so you can check out that i'm sure we will have lots of more things that uh that will be coming to the to the site both oscar related and not so uh, probably more not than actually oscar rated but becs are coming back soon as well we promise just giving a little bit of break after the 50s so i think the plan is that next week becs will be live again so you have uh just a little bit of time before we'll get uh back into that but on the podcast today We'll talk about uh, three coming attractions that are coming out. Uh, we'll give our thoughts on those, how excited we are about them. Then we'll talk about um, a film uh, that is both on my watch list and qualifies for the goats. We'll talk about my, my neighbor Totoro um, and uh, we'll discuss whether or not that's a goat. And then we'll explore the B plot, answering a question. This question from Luke, uh, movies that we've grown to love. Uh, and then we'll wrap up with a spinoff. But first, let's get a chance to know our writers this week. Uh, guys, we're recording here on the night that the Oscar nominations Wait, we're were recording? revealed. Yeah. For a minute, <laughs> 37, 8, 9 now. So. Just make the rest of the episode you counting up. <laughs> <laughs> we Wait, never find we out recording? what you guys actually think we about my name or anything. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to know, since the Oscar nominations were, re- were revealed earlier today, what are a couple of the big takeaways from you? I mean, I know that we each three were part of the writer's room, the writer's roundtable thing that happened. I, I don't, what's the title of it? Uh, writer's roundtable. Yeah. Writer's roundtable. Round okay. Yeah. Yeah. That we, we all submitted things for that, but just what are, what is one or two things that you just really like wanted to highlight uh, either a snub or a surprise or um, something that you're like, I think the Academy really got this right and I want to applaud them. So uh, just what are a couple of observations that you have from the nominations today? Well, all quiet on the Western front's a juggernaut out of nowhere. So I'm apparently like, I got like every other award. It's like all quiet on the Western front. I'm like, wait, what? Pretty sure I had like almost 10 nominations, if not 10 nominations. So that was a big one for me. I thought it was interesting that they had like low hanging fruit opportunities to have some diversity in their nominees. And we're just like, no, nah. <laughs> we won't nominate like, till for anything. I'm so shocked. She did not get nominated for Best Actress. And when they said Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, I'm like, what? Because she yeah, got nominated. Big reaction from the crowd. She got a Independent Spirit Award nomination. And she's great in it. But I didn't think people saw it. <laughs> That's surprising. <laughs> um, and I'm sad the Northman couldn't even squeak out like a cinematography. cinematography or something. like <laughs> Visual effects. Did. Something. Yeah. But Yeah. I was surprised by a couple of the best picture nominees too. I did not see Triangle of Sadness coming. No, I think it's just going to be every year is going to get a little bit more international, and I don't think that's a bad thing. So sure, 
thought it was interesting. I, the best picture nominee that surprises me is seeing Elvis in there because like, I think like lots of people really like Austin Butler in that movie, but like, I don't think people, I don't remember people really liking that movie all that much. You, so have you been on film Twitter lately? Because there, there's an Elvis hive out there. Is there really? Oh yeah. Uh, it does great. have like by far the lowest letterbox rating out of any of the 10 nominees. Yeah. That's I'm the... also like, I understand why it's in there, but I could, I could do without avatar in there. I, I think take out Elvis and, um, um, which I haven't seen Elvis for clarity, but I think you could take out <laughs> Elvis avatar and like, I would love to see glass onion and, uh, Babylon make it in there. And I haven't seen triangle, triangle of sadness, or the menu, but like I'm really surprised the menu didn't make it. That one just seemed People to be aren't loving that one. Really? I thought yeah. it would get an original screenplay one at best, but or I didn't think it was something get anything at least. Else. Yeah, I don't. But it didn't get anything. So I think the biggest surprise about writing was that Top Gun got a adapted screenplay, and I'm like, can we talk about adapted screenplay? Why are sequels now adapted screenplays? Like they've always been. They've always they been, really. Yeah. It's a, because you're adapting I, technically characters into a okay. new story. Well, I guess sequels just have never been good to be nominated for things because, like, I've only noticed it with Glass Onion because I'm like, wait, why is that adapted? It wasn't based off of uh, Agatha Christie. It's like adapted from Knives Out. I'm like, no, it's not. It's it's barely anything compared to Knives Out. It's got little to no connective tissue. Anyway, that's stupid. It's a rule. <laughs> it's a dumb rule. Yeah, that's that's my whole take on the Oscars is that I. I'm I'm not being one of the obnoxious people who's like plastering it all over Twitter, but I just don't really care anymore. Sure. I like a lot of the movies that are nominated, but I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not getting worked up over who's in, who's not. It's just like, hey, cool. Paul Meskel got a Best Actor nomination. That makes me happy. I, I loved After Sun. But I'm, aside from like noticeably black actors being uh, being wiped out across the board, I'm not, there's nothing that I'm really getting worked up over. I'm just like, oh, wow, Top Gun got a... Got a screenplay nomination that's kind of funny instead of like oh this should have been in or that you know so that's my that's my take yeah we uh man it's that's so baffling the top gun one (laughs) we didn't even nominate it for uh the sifties for narrative experience no i think they accidentally put it in to screenplay instead of cinematography (laughs) because so i was surprised about that that it didn't get cinematography nomination but bardo swooped on in there and you know deacons was gonna get nominated i can't believe that banshees didn't get nominated that's a beautiful film i know i think it it would have been my pick i wound up picking tar that's a striking like visual experience Mm -hmm. but like i don't know like i watched bardo i'm like it looks gorgeous Mm -hmm. what was the movie about i don't know I just couldn't bring myself to watch a two and a half hour Inuritu movie that's being compared to eight and a half. <laughs> Which I did look at your rankings, Aaron, and saw Dead Blast. I'm like, well. Yeah. Because I even thought Bardo was aimless compared to eight and a half. Oh, geez. <laughs> I'm just like, this is him trying to be fully in, uh, doing a very good job. Yeah, it looked interesting though. So I guess it's what it got nominated for. So also a little shout out to Mrs. Harris. That's an Oscar nominated movie for I think it was costumes. Oh, I it's a that. beautiful. It's a sweet little film, and it deserves some love. So if people go check it out because they're like, oh, this is an Oscar nominated movie, good for it. 
I love that there's not like an easily picked on one this year, like, you know, Oscar nominated Thor Love and Thunder or something like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that would have been really funny, like visual effects or costumes and makeup or whatever. Norbit. I'm sorry? Norbit. Norbit? Was not was Norbit nominated for something? Yeah. I don't remember. I'm I, was, pretty I didn't sure care was, about the Oscars when that movie came out. I'm pretty sure it was hairstyle and makeup because oh, of the fat well, suit. Amazing. So Did the whale get in for makeup? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That and the Batman. Because oh, that right. penguin. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Um, is there a front runner for best supporting actress? hundred percent Angela Bassett at this point. Okay. I think. Like, cause, cause I'm like, I haven't really heard, like, I, I think Stephanie Shu's got some like traction going her way, but like, well, gosh, I love would... that Carrie Condon was nominated. I think she's so good in Bane. She's of an issue and she's just, you know, so are Colin Farrell and Brennan Gleeson. <laughs> you know, we only Everybody. talk about them, but Carrie Condon is so good in that movie. So I love Siobhan in that. Yeah, movie. I hope her clip is the scene with uh, with Dominic by the water. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no her, she's her clip so is... good and tender in that. Yeah, yeah. No, her clip is going to be the one where she's staying. She's leaving. It's going to be it. That's so. another good one. Yeah, I, I already know. Well, maybe Brendan maybe Fraser to not spoil it, be. they'll talk about the the scene by the lake. But like to not spoil her your final scene in the movie. <laughs> well, you just spoiled it now. Great. <laughs> Okay, fine. I know 100%. People, you, do you really think people listening to this podcast haven't seen the Banshees of Inisherin by now? Like, I don't know, anyway. but it is on HBO Max. Go check it out. That's true. Uh, I uh, I'm really no excited ads. this year too because I like I have no idea any of these things because I um I've seen four of the ten Best Picture nominees. <laughs> so like now look. 100% I'm excused from not seeing women talking because I'm still I'm still pretty sure that's not even wide yet. So, like, I think it's about it to be. technically is. Okay. As of last weekend. But it was, like, 500-something screens. Yeah, wide. I was like, you understand when people haven't seen women talking, but, like... Yeah, wide is... Closest to me is an hour and a half away. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen, uh... And I'm not even in the middle of nowhere or anything. It's pretty frustrating. <laughs> I haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, Elvis, that one's easy. Hop on to Netflix. Sadness, right. The uh, uh, Fablemans. So, Tar. I haven't seen Tar. But, like, I'm Wait, excited. did Tar get Best Picture? Tar did get Best Picture, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, some of these I'm really actually excited for because, like, I'm going to go to Spotscars this year, which means <laughs> I'm going to watch them on Aaron's TV. And, like, I can't imagine a better setting for Tar than, like, Aaron's really high-def, dope TV with awesome sound. Like, <laughs> so... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, other than like my biggest thing was like no cinematography for Banshees, but yes, Carrie Condon. Like, I'm, I'm glad for that. I wish Babylon got a best picture. <laughs> I wish. Uh... If only it was good. <laughs> Shut up. I wish. <laughs> I wish Glass Onion. I mean, I'm glad it got adapted screenplay. Like, I'm glad it got that recognition. But like, I would have loved it sneaking into some more stuff. Janelle Monae for supporting actress could have been great for me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just that's that's my general thoughts. But I guess. It's not that I don't care about the Oscars, like you said, Robert. Like, I mean, I think in general, I care about awards like less and less each year. But like, I also care a little bit more about other awards, um, like a lot of just pop up stuff. I can't, I put more I put more stake into the sifties than I do any other awards because sure. like it's we're the common movie people. So we're, you know, we're picking our favorite movies of the year, you know, and like, part of it is like, yeah, like women talking. We haven't been able to really see a lot yet, but like. Part of it too is like we have 
like like um, one of our writers put the woman king at the, as the favorite movie of the year mm-hmm. um somebody else put i think i think chantal put black panther for wakanda forever like you know, plenty of plenty of things that the oscar i mean not that the oscars wouldn't nominate the woman king and it did black panther for a couple of things but like you're just those are those are a lot more like realistic awards like I'm pretty sure the year, I don't think we did the 50s, the year that Nomadland came out, but like we certainly would not have picked Nomadland for the best film of the year. So maybe you wouldn't have. I, I think Nomadland's solid. Anyway, well, uh, <laughs> well, I think there's fine, a difference right? between, between best of the year and solid, though. Sure. But this is also coming from somebody who had Sean the Sheep Farmageddon in my top five in 2020. So. Hey, hey, there is no bad mouthing of Sean the Sheep Farmageddon here. So. Who are you talking to? I know Shane's five movie here. I know. I'm just saying we we will not sully the name. (laughs) We will not sully the name here. So my thing is that like if I'm gonna root for some sort of competition between rich people who I'm never gonna meet, I'm I'm just like leaving that to sports. I'm already invested in in that. (laughs) I I like nominating. I like nominating stuff myself, like for the Sifty. That that was fun, but I just don't have it in me to get worked up over Oscars and Golden Globes and all that kind of stuff. I just get worked up over the Wasteland Reviewer Awards. See what that exactly you're doing to nominate this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, something different, guys. You got a chance um, when we were um, talking about this schedule to take a look at my movie collection and. Look, I, I got to give give you a chance to 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 get it to speak your mind to um, to roast my collection, if you will. So um, whoever's ready, I am ready to accept and probably counter your thoughts. So I notice you're very much a completionist, which I respect. Yeah. But what did Nightmare on Elm Street do to you? Which one? <laughs> what I won- oh, 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 got it, got it, got it. Well, I was like, I've seen the reboot and I owned it at one point just- and then I didn't own it anymore I, I just noticed like out of those like horror franchises that was the mm-hmm. only one that you didn't have like the whole collection I'm like what did freddy do to you well here's here's the deal um con- concerning the the halloween franchise i think that there's a lot of fans for a lot of the films mm-hmm. so that one makes sense and then um every time that there's a friday the 13th um if you go on voodoo you can buy all eight friday the 13th movies for 13.99 uh or 12.99 so Fair. I'm not going to not do that because it's also like that's a they're pretty expensive to buy each on their own. So, yeah, l- Friday the 13th, like sometime last year. I know like we just passed a fight Friday the 13th. But yeah, every Friday the 13th, Vood- Voodoo has the whole collection on sale. So like it probably wouldn't have been one of those that I bought all of them. But like that's such a good price. And as far as Nightmare on Elm Street, like I've never heard anybody defend like two through five or whatever. I heard I, Dream I, Warriors is pretty great. And I think that's number three. But I did okay. respect you having the first one and New Nightmare because I yeah. remember New Nightmare scaring the crap out of me when I watched that when I was younger. Well, and it sounds like, from my understanding, is New Nightmare is Scream like or Scream Three in that it's like it's it's meta and it's kind of self parodying. So like I, I've I I know the first one's a classic. I know I like it, and uh, I know I will like it. And I if there's any other ones that I'm probably gonna like, it's probably gonna be New Nightmare. Now, if I like those two enough. Maybe I'll go buy two, three, four, whatever. But now my second thing we'll was how many movies starring Hulk Hogan do you own? Oof. There's at least one. I think that's it though. Well, Thunderlips. Do you have all the Rockies in here? 
I do have all the Rockies because I have the heavyweight collection. So, so there I, you go. You have, you have Rocky three, and then Rocky you have three, the uh, three ninjas, high noon at Mega nin- Mountain. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Do you have no holds barred? I don't. Nope. Sorry, that was the first thing I'm going through, and there's such at the top of the list. I'm like the three ninjas, like, and the first thought that popped in my head, like, wasn't Hulk Hogan in one of them? Yes, he was. <laughs> Uh, so he's in Gremlins go. 2, apparently. I've not seen Gremlins 2. <laughs> oh my god, 2. he is, in, and he's all dressed up. It's like, brother, 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 brother. So there you go. <laughs> Looking through so his IMDb right now to see if there's other you things. You own three movies starring the illustrious actor Hulk Hogan. Three? No, no, no. Two. I said I said I don't. I haven't seen Gremlins. I don't <laughs> own Gremlins. Well, maybe someday you will, and then you can maybe. boast that you own three movies starring Hulk Hogan. <laughs> that would be Otherwise, the prize. Achie- the prize achievement for my movie collection is three films starring Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Nice, Aaron. You have some movies highlighted that you say you want to show your wife. Yep. And I'm wondering if there's some connective tissue between all of them, if you're trying to send some subliminal messaging mm-hmm. by wanting to show her these. The first of these, is is there a woman? Is there another woman? Because you have Locke on, on that list. Is there something you need to tell mm-hmm. your wife? I plead the fifth. <laughs> you're not going to outright deny it? No. no. <laughs> I think oh it would my. be pretty easy to outright deny this. <laughs> you should cut that but leave in our obnoxious laughter afterwards and leave people wondering what was so funny no look Locke is a is a great film it's it's one of those that it, it has a very interesting um premise at least with being a one take and yeah who doesn't like looking at tom hardy it's not a and one take uh, well sorry not one take but like one location, small, oh, okay. and then what do you call those things? You know, where it's like, you like know. a chamber piece within a moving yeah. chamber. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, imagining a cameraman on Baby top Tom of Holland the on the phone, you know, like there's lots of things to like about Locke. I don't, I don't have to be an affair to want to show my wife a movie about an affair. Sometimes it's just easier to soften the blow and be like, so you mm. saw what Ivan Locke did in that movie? I have something mm. to talk to you about. What about <laughs> Memento? Are you, how's your memory? <laughs> Fading, just like my hair. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here, this is this is the opposite end of the spectrum. With Hot Rod, are you trying to tell your wife that you're too legit, too legit to quit? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. okay. I just Hot Rod is one of those movies I frequently suggest because I want like my wife to watch and I want to watch again because um, it's a great and hilarious movie. But every time I try to tell her, I I'm like, all right, it's really funny and it stars Andy Samberg in the start of his career. Like, I'm not I'm not going to tell you much about it. Like, I've told her the basic plot. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he wants to put on a show so he can raise enough money for his dad to get healed from the hospital so he can beat him up. Like, it's a, <laughs> it's a stupid, hilarious, but I'm like, it, it's it's like if Napoleon Dynamite were funny. And uh, oh, my goodness, uh, I can't Logging off right now. <laughs> I can't. I, for some reason, I can't ever pull her in. She's she, she she's never interested. And I'm like, I, look, I, I know if she if she watched it. Uh, one time then it would instantly become a classic in our house so all right last one i think i don't think this one belonged on your on your list here i think it was supposed to be in a group of other movies maybe that you've made yourself kiss kiss bang bang that seems a bit inappropriate for to be sending out to other people yeah no i'm not sending these out to other people uh it's part you of my sent collection. it to be into shades <laughs> yeah no, i didn't send you the movie i just sent you the list of movies yeah okay yeah we uh no it's it's still a film right it's it's 
it's it's like they say in the nice guys it's one of those uh oh shoot what do they call them like what does chet call them when they're at the house he's like yeah he used to make films here like indie film like just saw the nice guys again too it's like experimental experimental films experimental and they're like which it's one? a porno he's like it's not a porno <laughs> which one Sounds- what's your favorite <laughs> What's my favorite uh, of the of the homemade ones? No, that's what Ryan Gosling says. <laughs> They're like interrogating. <laughs> Sorry, my memory's fading. So that's right. <laughs> Back to Memento. All right, last last question. You have the Before trilogy on here, and I'm making the petition now that in our next cycle we talk about uh, Before Sunset for a goat. Didn't we have it in the poll? I don't think so. Mm, we, I think we, we have close. to get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will for sure. Um, put at least before sunrise in in a goats episode. Um, oh, that's next, right. Before sunrise cycle. is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, look, if we can make it work, like, sure, maybe we can do all three films in one. Um, if we can find a month that isn't super busy, but um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll second that. We can for sure watch at least before sunrise. I know we definitely talked about throwing it in there. I can't remember. I think the only thing would it would have been in February. But that wasn't it because it was the Philadelphia story versus something else. And yeah, I don't think we anyway. had it anyway. So yeah, we will th- for sure throw it in uh, to the next. Maybe we could even work it out to where if other Sif Pop writers like want to pick the sequels, then I can just back to back to back. Oh, Maybe. that'd be fun. We'll see. But uh, but then that means you can only be on one of them and not all three of them. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, have cool. to have Robert on all three of them. Rob- Robert can always just message me. He's like, hey, I'll be I want to be on this one, and I'll send him an invite link. That's fine. I was going to say, I'll barge onto the extra ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I'm one of them, Robert comes with me. <laughs> well, I'm a host uh, I on this one... feed now. I have more power. <laughs> <laughs> After Robert's uh, barrage of questions for me, now I have a question for you guys. One random question before we move on. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Sure, why not? Uh, I don't care that much. There you go. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> Uh, look, it's 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 meat and a bun, right? Like it's a sandwich. It's meat just and bread. It's a folded sandwich. Just like a pepperoni sandwich. pizza. So I think our society would be better if we cared less about trivial things like that. And you know what? If somebody thinks it's a sandwich, good for them. If it is a sandwich, who cares? It's a hot dog. It tastes How the same. Many... Yeah, it tastes exactly the same whether you call it a sandwich or not. <laughs> I'm surprised there isn't like already like a like a college humor SNL skit out there where there's like some some political debate going on and somebody asks about climate change and the next person's like, "Excuse me, President Elect, is a hot dog a sandwich?" And then like you know two, another is serious question and the next guy's like, "Like, excuse me, like um, are there more doors or knobs or wheels or <laughs> or wheels or knobs in the world?" Or like you know what? Like I just <laughs> all right. Idea. Here's Aaron's audition for SNL. Let's see how this yeah, goes. Yeah, we'll see. SNL guy contact me. What is your name? Something. Uh, yeah, that just reminds me of that uh, episode of South Park with the uh, two uh, very lovely candidates that they have in an election. A turd. <laughs> <laughs> just like, well, this is politics in a nutshell. I think, I, you know what, Aaron? That would be a really funny sketch, actually. Right. Yeah. They did that. And then eventually the more silly questions that get asked, the like less like serious questions that ever get asked. Or there's like one reporter that's actually asking, like we, we take his frame, his point of view and he's, he's the only person asking serious, legitimate political questions. And everybody else is just like, yeah, like mint and chocolate chip. Is that combo good? Do you not like that? Or like, you know, all the, all Isn't the dumb. Isn't that what it is right now? Well, <laughs> anyway, and, well before we get too political. 
So it so the sketch just keeps going and going, and people get even more angry and frustrated, and the audience is sitting there slowly realizing that this is our reality, and slowly yeah. starts to cry instead of laugh. Yeah, and then they win. So sketch did exactly what it needed to do. So nice. yeah. So don't look up parentheses twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. So directed by in the end, okay. does it matter? I still eat hot dogs. I don't care. Yeah, in the end, the answer to is a hot dog is sandwich. Yeah, that's right. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Does it matter? Speaking of things that may or may not matter, let's move on to the coming attractions. We'll see how excited you guys are about this week's films. They matter to somebody, but maybe not us. Teen Wolf, You People, and Shotgun Wedding. Uh, Shane, you're our guest this week. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Let's go in order. Let's go Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf the movie coming to Paramount Plus on uh, January 26th. This is a like sequel movie to the series that premiered on something a while. What was that? What channel was it on? I don't know. It was know. on TV, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it was on. Was it on MTV? It, it was, wasn't it? Oh, it was MTV. Oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, because I said on TV as a joke. So. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't watch it. Uh, a terrifying evil has emerged. The wolves howl once again, but only a werewolf like Scott McCall can gather both new allies and re- reunite trusted friends to fight back against what could be the most powerful and deadly enemy. A uh, bunch of people you haven't heard of in charge of this. Um, I think the only like name, and it's really not even a name, it's a face I recognize, but Tyler Hochelin is in this. Uh, he oh, plays wow. Su- Superman in the CW verse, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been way out of the Arrowverse for a while, but yeah, he's Superman Clark Kent uh, in all that stuff. I don't really recognize anybody else. Maybe a couple names or faces, but like nothing like significant. So Shane, since you picked it, Robert, we're going to start with you. You have all of the free time in the world, all of the money in the world, your budget, your schedule. None of this takes effect. Really, Scott? The only thing that takes effect is your free will. When are you checking this movie out? Again, this is a Paramount Plus exclusive. Let's just assume this is also in theaters for the sake of hyperbole and hypotheticals and all uh, all the other hyper words. Uh, would you check this out in the theaters? Would you wait till you can rent it at home? Wait till it's on a streaming service that you already pay for? Or are you just not interested in Teen Wolf the movie? Uh, I'll put it this way. Our writer, Mike Hilty, wrote across platform partners for this movie in which he wrote about the Teen Wolf series. And uh, it's a good article that should be up sometime soon. Um, and that's my contribution to the team, the Teen Wolf conversation. <laughs> Shameless plugs all around. <laughs> all right. See? So I have a couple questions. Well, one preface. So I watch anything and everything. So I'm going to go through this, meaning if I didn't watch everything and everything, if I would choose to watch it, one, I've never watched the series. So I'm probably not interested. But my questions are, one... When did this stop being about kids dealing with teenage stuff? And two, does this movie end with a basketball game? If Mike's that's the, article that's a, is that's to be Teen Wolf that I know, if Mike's article is to be trusted, then it stopped being about teenagers, teenager things, as you say, when the series started. And I don't think there's going to be much basketball. Well, and unless they're, hopefully they're not swear wolves, and that's my last contribution. Oh. Okay, yeah. Because we are well, werewolves, in, not swearwolves. Exactly. In the, because of the accent. lack of basketball and the last of being about teen things in a show, movie, whatever, called Teen Wolf, um, to quote the Shark Tank, uh, I'm out for that reason. So <laughs> There we go. Like, no look, interest I, at all. 
I don't care. I never cared about the show. It's not my kind of thing. For people that are excited about it, great. Good for you. This is kind of one of those that we throw on there mostly to be like, hey, if you cared about the show, remember, there's a movie coming out this week. And I'm sure it's like marketed some places. I don't know, probably your Instagram feed because you follow some of the actors or whatever. But like, it's a Paramount Plus exclusive. And Paramount Plus is also like, is it fair to say the weakest of the streaming services? No. Well, depends on what you're looking for. It has it like a Terry very specific Sheridan? niche. Yeah. Do I, oh, and also, okay. right. most likely, this Teen Wolf movie was probably either written or directed by Taylor Sheridan because it is on Paramount Plus. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing Plus. Paramount Plus has all the Taylor Sheridan stuff, like Shane's saying. It has all the Star Trek, sh- all Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Oh, true. And it true. has like all of the CBS reality stuff like survivor and big brother and all that so if you're into any of those like those expansive franchises slash verses from sheridan then you're gonna be if you're uh, amply served fine if you're middle-aged peacock is the loser of the paid students right now but uh but wait until ryan johnson's new series comes out because i'm gonna get paramount plus for that for sure peacock for that for sure so anyway robert you people are shotgun wedding Shotgun Wedding is the only trailer that I've seen, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, couple's extravagant destination wedding is hijacked by criminals. In the process of saving their families, they rediscover why they fall in love with each other in the first place. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, Josh Duhamel, Lenny Kravitz, Jennifer Coolidge, Cheech Marin. Um, I think is that's this a Prime the... release? This is Amazon Instant Video, yeah. Yep. So, or Prime Video. Uh, Releases January 27th, I think. Man, it's Prime stuff is like sometimes simultaneous in theaters and sometimes exclusively Prime. I think this is exclusively on Prime. Well, actually, I think they started off doing simultaneous. Or it was like it went into theaters, but then pretty quick. Like like The Big Sick was like produced by Amazon and Manchester by the Sea. So they yeah. did their theatrical runs and then very quickly went to Prime. But I'm trying to think of the last time Amazon did a movie well, that was... Because like they was did supposed the... to get a... Go ahead, Aaron. Well, they did the the Tomorrow War, right? The Chris Pratt one, and they yeah. did the the well, Raison yeah, one from last year that Robert liked. But like, yeah, they always have like a bunch of streaming movies every year. But like, yeah, this was they weren't theaters exclusives, and I get that like COVID was a thing, like when those particular movies came out, like Without Remorse and all that. But like, COVID was more of a thing. So anyway, just I don't think that the, I think I'd be willing to say this is just going to Amazon. So yes, Shane, same scale theaters, rent, stream, or skip. Pretending that I didn't see it already. <laughs> um, I would say streaming because I love J-Lo. I'd watch mm-hmm. this rom-com for Jennifer Lopez. And honestly, Jennifer Coolidge at this point. Because they're just going to be I know. Laugh. She's having a renaissance. Mm-hmm. Cool- oh, this is so heavy. Oh, and I have actually seen this. But like it was enough to be like, oh, I'd watch this on a streaming service. It seems like a silly, fun movie. Robert, what's higher, rent or stream? What's like the more interest? It, it would be theaters, then rent, then stream, then skip. Let's call it a, a stream then. No, yeah. oh, I am going to stream it. So maybe we'll call it a rent. I don't know. Rent rent would be more interested than on a streaming service you already pay for. Yeah, we'll call it a rent. All right. I don't I don't care about these kind of movies. I mean, like Rob, so I'm not interested. I mean, Robert, you said you on the 50s that you kind of have your own bias. Like you like rom-com type things and like. I like good ones. This isn't going to be a rom-com. <laughs> Whatever. Have you seen the trailer? No, I haven't. It is a rom-com, though, but it just has pirates in it. Right, it's not like Ticket to Paradise Wait, pirates rom-com, in it? Right, Consider me in streaming category. because now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a destination wedding invaded by pirates. 
It's just like the plot synopsis seems so stupid. It's like if you're at your wedding, shouldn't you already be in love with you? Anyway, it's complicated. That's Aaron. what a shotgun wedding is. <sighs> you're it right. Has multiple meanings. You're right. In this particular uh, one, just a warning. This has shocking blood and violence in it. So just the you warning. know what. <laughs> You know what? Consider me in rent at this point. You're intriguing me, Shane. <laughs> the more we talk about this movie, the more. I mean, how soon until we get to theaters? I kind of like Josh Duhamel. Like <laughs> Shane, would this have been better with Ben Affleck? I don't know with the the, the, the newlyweds. Role, I don't. I don't know if he would have given more than Josh Duhamel gives in this. Because honestly, I think at this stage in his career, Josh Duhamel can just go in there, be charismatic a bit, and have some fun with. It. Right. And they do. I think this would have been better starring Ben Affleck and Anna Armas. I think for sure. No, keep J Lo in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, at least and this it. isn't pretending to be more like Deepwater kind of was, or at least uh, trying to be more. No, no but yeah, yeah. Uh, it has uh, Deepwater. What's her name from? This is great content from the show that I can't remember about the afterlife, The Good Place. Darcy. She's interesting in this movie. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. And also, Lenny Kravitz is in this movie a decent uh-huh. amount, which surprised me. All but, right. like, this has a pretty decent cast. Like, Cheech Marin's in there. And, like, Jennifer uh-huh. Coolidge definitely gets plenty of time to Jennifer Coolidge. So, out of fun time. All right. I'm watching it this Maybe I should do the marketing for... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I went from not interested to, like, wait, you know? All you had to do was say pirates and a shocking amount of blood. <laughs> like... <laughs> All of a sudden, pretty interested. Anyway, I'll have to talk about I, it with Rowan. Maybe if I'd have watched the trailer. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to you people. Uh, this is coming to Netflix. This is uh, follows a new couple and their families who find themselves examining modern love and family dynamics amidst clashing cultures, societal expe- expectations, and generational differences. Um, co-written by Jonah Hill. Also by Kenya Barris, who is the director for this film as well. Starring Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, David Duchovny, looks like in the cast listing. Elliot Gould, Rhea Perlman, uh, Mike Epps. Like, surprising amount of, like, you know, people pretty far down this list. Kenyon Barris pulled a lot of pull, pulled a lot of weight here to get a whole bunch of people in this movie. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to make of this movie. I'll say stream. I mean, I well, mean, luck. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like I don't know. It just kind of feels like one of like like one of those January releases, right? But like a decent enough cast that like I'm interested. Like, a, yes, there's certainly some talented people in here. I man, this 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 one is tough without having seen a trailer. So, and it's like, especially like there was a point in time where it's like, oh, Jonah Hill's writing this. Like, great. It's not. It it's not, not so still? solid anymore. Well, why? Because I was gonna say theaters because because of Jonah Hill. Okay, I just I haven't seen mid nineties, but it just seemed like people. It it seemed like people reacted to him being a little too into himself. So mid nineties was really good. I really liked it, and I think Jonah Hill is Ooh, big surprise. Honestly, Robert likes a twenty four film. No <laughs> shots fired. I think Jonah Hill is honestly like an incredible actor. I watched Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot for the first time the other day. And yeah. He was, so good in this like all right between i think jonah hill is almost always the funniest part of any comedy he's in and he's also got like surprising dramatic i guess it's not surprising anymore after yeah moneyball and wolf of wall street and Uh you know maniac and don't worry you know all this all this different stuff he's really versatile and i just like to see what he's doing when he's acting and writing so yeah i love me some jonah hill 
his name alone can sell me along with everyone else that you mentioned, like Eddie Murphy, you know, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus. There's like a lot of big names in here. You are totally right that in these movies that he's in, uh, especially the comedies, he steals the show, you know, um, looking at his uh, IMDb right now. And um, he 100% steals Hell Caesar and he steals this is the end and he, he's uh he's one oh, of the does Ku Klux it? Does it in Change. it's really not that compelling <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, really... he, he, he steals it he, he, a scene right he only has like 10 seconds of screen time but in Django Unchained he's one of the people it's like let's make sure to thank his wife for washing all the sheets <laughs> and then next time we do it better <laughs> yeah I, look I'll he's also really great in forgetting Sarah Marshall oh my god that's the most <laughs> uncomfortable performance I think Jonah Hill's ever given True. I hate yeah. his character so much in that movie but he's that's so funny he's so good, uh, anyway yeah fi- uh, fine I'll rescind my Jonah Hill comment but yeah I just I- I'm, I'm, I'm interested but this is so hard to tell on how interested without it seeing a trailer so this is just me doing bad prep I was gonna say maybe you should start watching trailers hey hey Maybe you should find extra time in the week. <laughs> it's trailers so much more interesting watching movies where you just jump in and don't watch trailers. I mean, yeah, but then there, but then there comes times where it's like I still haven't seen a trailer for the Fablemans, and like maybe if I'd have saw the trailer, I'd have seen the movie by now. <laughs> I'm in a different spot, I guess. But I guess my response to this was this was a different. <laughs> Hundred percent in a theater because of Eddie Murphy, and then mm. I saw this had a twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, Oof. and then I'm like, well, I'll still stream it for Eddie Murphy. Mm. So that's we don't take into critics review. Well, Dolomite was a legitimately good movie, and I mm-hmm. loved the heck out of that. But yeah, coming to America, yeah, if it didn't have Eddie Murphy in it, there'd be no reason to watch that movie. <laughs> It's just a little disappointing. I think Kenyon Barris, I love Blackish. His show that he made with him and Rashida Jones in it was like him at his worst. And I guess this is him at his worst, mm. which is just so far up his own behind that he's just like, look how clever and funny I am. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm hoping it doesn't come off that way. But like this guess who's coming to dinner esque kind of thing with Eddie Murphy. I'll still stream it. I'm still going to watch it Friday. Okay. He wrote the well, new White Men Can't Jump. I forgot they're making a new one of those. Robert, I'm they're so making new movie. things of everything. That's true. <laughs> they're already planning an Avatar reboot. <laughs> but they're planning that for 2050 when James Cameron's done making all 10 of his Avatar movies first. <laughs> Shane, did you see uh, Stutz? I did. That was What did you think so, of that? So I have a master's in accounting. So I don't Uh really know much about, like, I have a lot of psych people around me and my wife is is a BCBA. So, like, I have a lot of friends who are counselors and stuff. And I'm sitting watching this movie. I'm like, I feel like this isn't completely ethical, but Hmm. it's really interesting. (laughs) So, like, I thought it was an interesting way that Jonah Hill was trying to process his own experiences and therapy. I thought it was a cool experience to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jonah Hill's very engaging, and that helps a lot. And honestly, so is a therapist. But, like, I feel like if I was a psych person, I'd be much more critical about it. You'd be poking holes all over the place. Well, that's the thing. Every time I watch a movie with my wife or our best friend Paige, and there's even, like, a hint of being, like, 
psychologist or psychiatrist in it just tear it apart i'm like that was mm. so unethical and i'm like numbers man <laughs> over here didn't notice <laughs> but i think i think Jonah hill's doing interesting things and i was hoping that he could pull that here and here's the thing rotten tomato score doesn't mean everything so maybe i'll yeah, watch it and love so. it but i'm hit or miss with kenyon barris and his voice i think it really works in blackish and i'm hoping it's more blackish than some of the other things that he's done so, well yeah, now that you've got to hear some some takes including my bad ones uh if you guys want to hear more from robert and shane uh get them a chance to to pimp their stuff right now um robert let's start with you uh yeah just follow me on twitter underscore rob's thoughts i've been doing what is the I, I don't know if I can say this on the podcast. What is the clean version of shit posting? <laughs> like, <laughs> We're adults. I don't care. I don't care. That's, <laughs> right. that, well, that, I've been doing that, a lot of that on, on Twitter lately. <laughs> I'm, I'm just well, on there to have fun. Your Twitter has gotten like that more trolly than usual. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just been like, you know what? I don't really care. I'm just going to have fun. <laughs> like, there was, there was a prompt that said, what's a role that an actor was born to play? And I replied with the the doll from American Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that one frame was? Yeah. Oh, I, I tried so hard to figure it out. Uh, I, saw, I saw somebody on Twitter that they retweeted. I, I think, um, Robert, you did too, but it was like, uh, these things happen all the time where it's like, you know, what are four films that something, and then you put four stills from the movie. Mm-hmm. And somebody replied to this guy, and he's just like, uh, he's like, put the na- titles of the names into the post, like, and he, and he was just like that. And the person replied, like, say please. <laughs> <laughs> that person would obviously not be very good at framed. Yeah. So to be honest, I go on Twitter. I don't post on Twitter except for sharing stuff that you all post that I wrote on. <laughs> And then I read Robert's tweets and I check out to see how Mike and Luke did on frame that day. <laughs> so they they both well. share it. Yeah. So that's my, tw- uh, that's the extent of my Twitter usage. I'm just scrolling through Robert's Twitter right now. And this retweet of you, this retweet that you did of uh, the picture from veggie tales and just <laughs> banshees of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy did veggie tales as each of the best picture nominees. And that it's a good thread if you want to go check it out. Go to my Twitter and you can find it. I'm, I'm not telling you how to get there except for that. There you go. Uh, that and then just random baseball takes. Uh, yep. Which I appreciate. Like serious baseball. Yes. <sighs> Aaron, is this where you want me to talk about the review roundup? Sure. Yeah, I'm also, if you listen to this feed regularly, you probably have noticed, but I'm doing the Sif Pop Writers Room review roundup. Uh, it's a tongue twister, but I like doing it anyway. We did one episode so far with Sif Pop Writers Nash and Foster, and I'll be doing about, or I am doing, uh, It's I thought it was going to be four or five, but it's closer to like eight or nine movies a month, <laughs> doing about 10 minutes on them. Yeah, we're just reviewing the, some of the biggest movies that, that came out. We got this the Saturday after this releases, so this coming Saturday, Rowan and I are, uh, we're going to be talking about Man Called Auto, Megan, Women Talking, Plane, The Pale Blue Eye. Missing House Party when you finish saving the world and the aforementioned You People. So yeah, if you want to hear the, my thoughts on You People and those other movies after 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 I've already seen them, make sure to check out the Sif Pop Writers Room feed on the first Saturday of every month. I exclusively I want to hear your thoughts on the pirate movie that I already forgot the name of. 
Shotgun uh, wedding. Shotgun wedding. <laughs> that one. I'll I add feel that like to I have to. One. I have to stop making so many um, endless trash jokes after this January because, like, it was a decent January. I'm like, plane is awesome, man. I'm like. <laughs> I saw Megan, I saw Plane, I saw Missing, and, like, these are all the wide, like, regular wide releases in mm-hmm. January, not the award yeah. season stuff that not were the women releases in January. Movies. And I'm like, man, this January was decent. Yes. There were movies that came out in January? Uh, Aaron, go see I've, Plane. I've seen A Man Called Otto. Does that count? Sure, it ten. counts. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about it on the roundup. All I have to say gets, is... Actually, I don't want to spoil on, it. On a scale of one to ambulance, how good is plane? If ambulance is a ten on this scale, I think am, uh, plane is a seven. Okay, you ha- you have to you have to define the scale in terms of vehicle titles. So yeah. <laughs> so what's the lo- what's the lowest one on this? Jeez, oh, you you did this to yourself. You you can you weren't expecting me to ask what's the lowest. Airplane um, two? I don't know. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> That would have been a good BEC uh, prompt. I'm sure we've done it in the past. I think we've done vehicle titles, yeah. For ambulance, I'm pretty sure. Probably, yeah, we probably honestly, we probably did last year, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Shane, promote your stuff. <laughs> so the easiest thing is to follow the Wasteland Reviewer Instagram page, because that's where I shamelessly plug everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do do a lot of writing for Sif Pop, and usually they're the more obscure things that I just keep messaging Aaron and Robert about and they're just like sure why not which I have a couple to ask them about after we're done recording yes to both <laughs> and then, yes to both <laughs> and then I write for Scribe Magazine where I do a whole bunch of different kinds of things where like I have a couple different types of articles that I do for their site and basically besides Mike Hilty well Mike Hilty and I are the Scribe podcast <laughs> we literally do all the episodes <laughs> and I'm like 75% of their YouTube channel too. So there you go. <laughs> and then I have the Wasteland Reviewer YouTube channel, which is a thousand subscribers in. Ooh. Yes. How do you? After all that time. And honestly, I review everything I've been expanding to doing movies, TV, books. Been doing a lot of reading over the past year plus. But the crown jewel for me is all my shows that I like to do, especially Welcome to the Wasteland. I'm in the middle of my John Carpenter series, which Aaron was just on for for Assault on Precinct 13. And this one thing that I do, and I also do Rowan in the Wasteland with Rowan, which is honestly one of my favorite <laughs> things that I do. One thing I did want to bring up, I tried to launch my own podcast last year and realized the system that I was doing was unsustainable because, you know, Oops. I have a full-time job and a part-time job, and then I do all of this stuff. So I have rebooted the Cinematic Wasteland. It's going to be a once-a-month podcast where I rank my top ten films of every year in cinema and then give you a little history lesson as well. And February's release is going to be the year 1900. So there you go. And, yes, I'm going to try to do every year up until now because wow. I have a will that's – like Thanos. You, you might catch are up. Inevitable. You might catch I'm up inevitable. like to the present year by the time the Avatar 3 comes out. You know, it's 20 years from now. I just might. See, aren't the Avatars like the future ones, they're gonna be pretty quick. He was just waiting on like They better this. be. They 
three is already finished filming four is in pre or starting filming yeah because they were just waiting on this technology to catch up and that's kind of why it it took so long for two to come out well that and i think they wanted finalized scripts on everything Hmm. well and at this point disney's like yeah we're pumping this out we need money so expect we need Avatar money for more Book of Boba Fett. They need a December 2024 Avatar 3, aka the Fire Nation attacks, because now he's straight up ripping off Avatar the Last Airbender. I know. When he's just like, there's gonna be a fire tribe. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Not only did you steal the title away from them, but now you're just ripping it off and making two billion dollars <laughs> off of each of them. Isn't that the reason the Shyamalan movie was only called The Last Airbender? Because there was Correct. already a movie called Avatar. <laughs> Correct. It's one of my favorite I pieces of movie it in trivia. Their face. I know. <laughs> we, yeah, so. we should do a B plot one time. That's just our favorite movie trivia, like our favorite useless, dumb, fun things that we like. Maybe next month. I'm full of that. <laughs> next time, Shane is on. <laughs> <laughs> also just a quick reminder that if you want more of this chaotic mess patreon.com slash sifpopwr uh man i'm just thinking of people that might be tuning in for the first time because of the sifties last week and then like, is this always silly and it's like only when we record past you know x time that's okay no, i'm it's... only funny on other people's shows <laughs> <laughs> um so i think the plan now that robert is doing his review roundups is the plan is that uh for the people that are on the ten dollar a month and up tiers i'll do uh reviews for every new release that i see this year that is the plan considering that they won't go in this public feed the only way they'll go in the public feed is if um if i get early access to a film um which is pretty much just apple unless i ask for them (laughs) but yeah which i asked for living and still haven't gotten so boo well (laughs) i got it need somebody i'm not in the the philly area uh, because i emailed the person like we only do philly area things like and i was like oh yeah so she's like i'll connect you with somebody and i'm like all right cool and then i never heard back from her anyway well that's the thing i got connected to somebody from like the atlanta area and they got me in contact with the philly area and that's how this all started for me Hmm. all right cool uh that's fine living is out like next week uh, this friday at this point so anyway um yeah so, is, so just you know plan is new releases that i see the plan is ten dollar a month and up tier we'll get access to those exclusively over on patreon and um uh, maybe maybe a couple of those will go live here but because robert's doing the review roundup i don't want to don't want to steal too much of that thunder so um probably early access exclusively is when you'll hear me so uh yep uh you guys ready to talk about my neighbor totoro can i ask a question quick we are nearly an hour into this podcast. Is this the most chaotic an no. episode of the show has been since no. Foster's was on? Oh, since Foster? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, no, that one was way more chaotic. Was, <laughs> is Foster an agent of chaos? Did I not know this? No, it was that just day, really, was it was late. on one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, no, I think I think this is... There was one time that we were, I was pretty sure it was going to be chaotic because... Like, we started recording at, like, 11 p.m. Central Time. Oh, my. It might have been... Oh, gee. No, it wasn't last week with Blade. Might, it might have, I think it was Wolf of Wall Street we recorded at, like, 11 p.m. Central Time. It is a perfect Eastern film to get Chicago. chaotic for. I know, right? And we didn't. So, at least I don't think so. Anyway, but yeah, no, this is the most chaotic it's been since Foster's episode. Uh, but I still think Foster's episode takes the cake. It's We're not quite that level yet. But we're still halfway through the episode, so let's... No one's doing voices yet. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Not yet. Don't tell we'll see. me. There are... <laughs> Shameless here, Adam Sandler. Hello, my name is Adam Sandler. <laughs> I'm here because of the rich, fancy people at the Gotham Awards. <laughs> so there's a little taste. You should check out that award speech. <laughs> you oh. were doing someone else last time I talked to you. I don't remember who it was, though. Was who it else Al Pacino? Because that's a common one. <laughs> I know you can do it, but there was one I wasn't expecting that you just came out with, and all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> Maybe it was Sandler, could, I don't know. Could have went back and talked about how we were a bunch of werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> not swearwolves. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think I think this will officially hit the um, hit the chaotic level when we all start singing the song at the end of My Neighbor Totoro, because that's... I, was, that was I so wanted to do chat. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just realizing wanted... you never did your intro thing, oh, Robert. Totoro, Totoro. <laughs> Here it is. I just wanted to make that the review section. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh yeah! Anyway, I was I was singing that before we hopped on. I was even like doing the high voice. I'm not going to do that now, but I kind of want to. I won't lie. I was 100% singing. I saw it at a friend's house and then drove back 20 minutes and spent the entire time looping in my head. It's so catchy. Anyway. I do have a playlist that's called Is This Batman? Because every time I ask my wife to guess a score, she, her guess is always, is this Batman? <laughs> but it's just a bunch of my favorite scores, and I definitely added a couple pieces of music after re-watching this, because... Nice. A+. Plus. My Neighbor Totoro is a 1988 film. This is the second film from Studio Ghibli, if I'm, if I'm right. Because Grave of the Fireflies came out, was made first, but from my understanding is it was released simultaneous because they weren't sure that this film could sustain, at least internationally, they weren't sure that this could sustain like a box office return. So they put it together with Grave of the Fireflies, um, which hopefully they put Totoro second. I think so. But yeah, I think this is Studio Ghibli's second film, right? Like chronologically. Anyway, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very early Totoro film, uh, 1988. Hayao Miyazaki early Totoro film, yes. writing and directing. Or, yeah, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> when two girls move to the country to be near, near their ailing mother, they have adventures with the wondrous fo- uh, forest spirits who live nearby. Let's see a little bit of why this might be considered a goat. I mean, we did have for our poll. It was either this or Grave of the Firefly. I think Robert. We decided it's just time to dive into some Studio Ghibli and. Um, we we picked those two. Um, I'm glad it was and, this because uh, Grave of the Fireflies is not available to stream. So oh, interesting. And it was also depressing, like depressing. <laughs> yeah. So it's much lighter. Yeah, you would have been in a less happy mood hopping onto this recording. Anyway, be singing about giant fluffy bear guys. <laughs> I mean, no. you could have been, but then we would all ask some questions. <laughs> This has an 8.1 on IMDb, making it the 172th highest rated uh, film of all time on that platform. An 86 Metacritic score. I put Metacritic on the show notes. 86 Metacritic score. 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> the critic score, 94 audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. 4.2 on Letterboxd, making it number 185 on the narrative features list. The Japanese magazine Animage. Animage? Sure. Ranked this the 45th of 100 best anime productions of all time. 2012 sight and sound critics poll of uh, the all-time greatest films this was number one for animated and uh number one or number one for anime and the number 154 overall this was the 72nd greatest film overall according to their 2022 updated list in 2009 this was ranked in empire's 100 best films of world cinema ranked 41st 
Uh, and this is on Roger Ebert. Great uh, Roger Ebert's great films list. Last note: Akira Kurosawa cited this as one of his favorite films. Real quick, Taste. a little bit of your history with either this film or Studio Ghibli as a whole, and why you were excited to check this one out. I will kick us off. My uh, history with Studio Ghibli is entirely you know constrained into House Movie Castle, Castle in the Sky, Spirited Away, and Grave of the Fireflies. So I don't like Spirited Away, and I really like the other ones, um, which I know is a hot take. So uh, yeah, this relatively newbie to Studio Ghibli, and um, I was excited because this is one of the like ones that is considered upper tier. So yeah, Shane, let's go with you next. So my brother has always been super into anime, and one of his missions was trying to get me into anime. Uh, so I probably watched my first Studio Ghibli film with him. I've on multiple occasions attempted to go through watching Ghibli Fest in theaters and actually checking them all out in a theater. I have seen this one in a theater. This is probably my fourth or fifth time watching this movie when I rewatched it for the podcast. And I've seen almost every Studio Ghibli film at this point and have a whole collection. So I'm a pretty big fan at this point. And Totoro is definitely up there for me. I don't think I see eye to eye with Robert as I saw his rating on Letterboxd, but Princess Mononoke is my favorite. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was excited to talk about this because I always love <laughs> to quote Guillermo del Toro animation is not for kids, it's a medium of art. And I always like to talk about animated films because I feel like not enough people give them enough credit for being actually great films. And not just, you know, something fun you can watch with the kids. And also, I'm wondering if this is below uh, Puss in Boots now on Letterboxd. Because last time I checked, Last Wish was skyrocketing on the top 250 on Letterboxd, apparently. So, but yeah. I will check it out. People wild for Puss in Boots. (laughs) I will check it out. While uh, Robert gives perfectly good. (laughs) We're doing history? Is that what I'm doing? 106. Puss in Boots is 106. That is 80, 79 higher than my neighbor Totoro. <laughs> it's going to crack the top 100. But yes, Robert, we were doing history. I am similar to Aaron. Aaron, how many did you say you'd seen? Four Ghibli movies? Is it yes. Ghibli or Ghibli? I don't know. Okay. I'm sure it's neither, but... <laughs> I, us ignorant Americans just... I know. Going to say it how we say it. I've seen six Ghibli movies. Um, I, <laughs> I recently watched a few more. People that are listening for the first time that are fanboys <laughs> hate us so much right now. I know, I know. I'm sorry. How how to how to drive away new listeners? One hundred and one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched a few more recently because I wanted to just have a larger context for this conversation, and because it's just like. A studio somewhat like Pixar that people are very, um, that people really love. And I wanted to have a better understanding of why. So I've seen Totoro, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Arietti, um, Princess Mononoke, and Ponyo. And my thoughts overall so far have kind of been like, not all of them are really for me. I like the more innocent seeming ones. So like uh, Totoro or Arietti or um, Ponyo, the ones that kind of just, go on vibes in a way as opposed to like the larger epic fantasy types 
And to be honest, I was I watched Mononoke for the first time last night. I was not expecting arms and heads to be shot off. I double checked after I started. I was like, "Oh, this is PG thirteen. I thought this was just like a fun whimsical whimsical time." And nope, nope Del Toro was right. Anyway, yeah, I, I keep I I do want to see more. So like, I'm interested in watching Nausicaa and Castle in the Sky, Grave of Fireflies. Still haven't seen Kiki. You know, some of those bigger ones. They're on the watch list. I'll get to them eventually. Yeah. Well, time to get into it. Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Uh, Robert, we'll start with you. Totoro, I liked it. Firmly nice. and liked it. Uh, Shane. Firmly and loved it. Nice. Uh, either, like, mid to low side of loved it. L- liked it, sorry. Kind of, like, right where Robert is. Maybe a little bit less enthusiastic for me. Are we about to do another thing where I'm, like, defending a movie more than I actually liked it because of your takes <laughs> on it? <laughs> I don't think so. And here's why. Like, okay. he, all right. So here's my 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 favorite Studio Ghibli film is Grave of the Fireflies, followed by Howl's Moving Castle. But like most, like when they introduced a sick mother, I was 100% sure that she was gonna die like a third of the way through the movie, and that didn't happen. And I didn't watch a trailer. I knew nothing about this movie, so I was just kind of piecing it all together. And so I was like thinking the movie was gonna go places that it never actually went, and had no interest in exploring which is great. I love when movies do that, but I don't know. Maybe this is just, I haven't, I I only recently saw it, but like, I don't know what the message of this movie is or what the creatures have to do with the film. All I know is I had a good time. I smiled a lot. And the bus stop scene is now top tier in animation scenes for me for forever. Cat bus. Cat bus and, and Totoro getting thrilled about the, the raindrops that are falling on his umbrella. So he just jumps and gets like a cocaine smile, you know? <laughs> Definitely not a kid's movie. So, no, like, I just... I, I, I was well, looking to see from like letterboxd reviews like of of mutuals of like what this movie is actually trying to say or what it means or anything and I saw a lot of oh this movie means so much or this movie is it, this movie has such powerful well, meaning I'm like but what is the meaning well, <laughs> it's childhood to... childhood innocence right well and I feel like so many films tackle how you deal with loss but don't deal with what if your family's sick like your parents sick how do you process that because there's a like, if your parent dies, there's a distinct result of what happens. If your parent is mm-hmm. sick, there's a whole entire cloud of what's going to happen, uncertainty, and how does a child process that? And I feel like this film deals with that in a very earnest and honest way. And you see these two children trying to deal with that. They're trying to deal with their ba- dad not being around being stuck with an older lady who definitely is not well equipped enough to be watching the two of them. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing where no granny slander around here. She's doing her best. Legitimately she is. doing she's her great. best. Well, that was the thing. I'm like, great is not doing a whole great job doing this. And my wife's like, well, if they sure didn't prep her enough, dad just drops them <laughs> off on her. I'm like, that is yeah. also fair. Also, did you see how long the legs are on those girls? They can run for days. Because <laughs> like... <laughs> I feel like that's the point of this film is mm-hmm. how do children deal with that uncertainty? And they find joy and like comfort in the fact that they find these creatures that can kind of distract them. It's like, why do we watch movies? Why do we read stories? It's like something that could whisk us away when we're dealing with a lot of things in our lives. And I feel like they kind of represent that to them. And 
it doesn't have to, I don't feel like it has to go to the point that it's going because I feel like it's fresh and interesting that it chooses to face the uncertainty more than the finality of losing, losing a loved one. And only the yeah, kids I mean, can see these creatures, right? That's yeah. They so can that's, only, they can see them and only when the creatures want to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like, which is why the, the like rabbit type thing, like goes from translucent to visible to all that. So cute. Kind of. Yeah. Which is another aspect to what Shane was talking about that I like. Like sometimes you try to see things. Sometimes you try to make things feel better, but it doesn't always work. You know, sometimes reality mm-hmm. is just there, but it's still sure. a getaway at times. And it does make you feel better as a child to, you know, I, I don't know. I just like, I like the way that these creatures are only for the kids and that it kind of represents a, a little bit of innocence and, and comfort for them. Yeah. Sure. It's like, yeah, like it's, it's all surface level and that's fine. Right. Not every movie has to be deep or meaningful or anything like what that. Is, how's that surface strongly, level? <laughs> strongly disagree. Really? That, that was surface level. Yeah. I feel like this is a deeply resonant film that tackles things that we don't usually see because it's not, it's not an easily sellable kind of story to your point, Aaron. Cause it's like, you, you're like, this isn't something that you usually see. And you wouldn't see like an American animation studio doing a story like this because it's not easy to get across. It's, it's going to sound very morbid. It's easier to kill off a parent and deal with that than the uncomfortable mm. uncertainty of that looming over them. And well, one thing that I appreciate about Studio Ghibli is it doesn't, it doesn't have kid pacing. It doesn't have like this high energy thing. It doesn't try to skate over things it's very raw and genuine in the way that it shows human interactions. And this film takes its time to show those things. It shows those little moments between these daughters and their father. And it shows those moments of them being worried about it. And I appreciate the fact that this doesn't have to have a big, big dramatic kind of arc to it. It's dealing with some very genuine things. And it just so happens that it's an animated movie and it has a giant, mm-hmm. a giant, whatever Totoro is, that sounds like Snorlax, um, which they definitely got the idea for Snorlax <laughs> from the same thing that they got for Totoro. And yeah, they have a cat bus and, yeah. you know, the little dust bunny things. And it's a sweet and beautiful little film that then will drill into your brain with a little song at the end and you'll never be able to unhear it. Do, do, do. See Shane, I was thinking along those very similar lines when I was watching it. It was just like as someone who's seen 30 or whatever Pixar movies, this is very much not that. Like it's not silly, it's not whimsical in the same way whereas like like you mentioned that it's easier to just kill off a parent. That's a good point because it ma- this makes you deal with something in a much more real, much more almost grounded way. And I mentioned Ghibli, Ghibli movies running on vibes earlier. And that's kind of what I enjoyed about this one is that it's it's not out there to make jokes and to have fun all the time. It's just like, hey, these kids are just living their new life um, in this new house. But they also have to figure things out being in a new place where their dad's not around and their mom's in the hospital and they just have each other. And they're very, very young, too, especially May. So just the way that it deals with all of those things and does so in a mature way that still, even though we've mentioned a couple of times, animation isn't for kids only, this is still accessible to kids. Like it's, it's not scary, but it does deal with like very real human things that 
not every kid's gonna have to deal with a sick parent, but every kid, every person is gonna have to deal with, you know, someone that you love going through a difficult time or, or something like that. And it really equips you to be able to deal with that or, or begins to equip you at least. Hmm. I just meant more so in like the surface level thing. Like I, I'm, I meant to like the, the creatures are kind of like imaginary friends. Like is the way that I saw it. Like where they're like only the kids can see them, you know, and it's only at times that it, like kind of makes sense. But like the kids do develop a deep connection, a bond and, Sure, maybe maybe they they can be used as a coping mechanism as well. But yeah, that's what I, like I, I like that's what I meant is that is that like aside from being emotional support by even not really doing anything, um, just happening to be around like the the creatures aren't don't really service the story in in too much of a way. And maybe that's another me, problem is that you're looking for something to service the story. When I, again, this is very I think much so vibes you know well, and, and here's the deal like this is this is making me like the movie more because i'm i don't feel like i'm missing something right like so so i'm this isn't lowering the movie for me this is making me be like okay so i'm not missing you know this it's me looking too much into something this is just supposed to be a delightful kid story that tells the dangers of hospital misinformation <laughs> so hospital miscommunication that was the thing i thought mm. of it was like the message of the movie is hospitals need to be more careful with how they <laughs> communicate <laughs> to to the families of they need patients, to have better but... bedside manner like quick <laughs> we need to get in contact with you it's like i have a cold she I must be dead so seriously <laughs> but well, i think i think there's a nice soft genuine way of not uh, Honestly, this causes a lot of things is like in a moment, you don't always need a solution. You don't always need somebody to do something for you. And, you know, as somebody that's always has to be doing something and trying to fix a problem, sometimes I have to take a step back and realize like, you know, sometimes you just being there for somebody and not saying a damn word is just as good. And I feel like that's what these creatures are there. It's they're there to support and they don't have to do anything specific. Like they don't have, like they do one thing for them, which is get them to the hospital. Yeah. To see their mom at the end. But like generally, it's like they're just there to support them, and they're the they're the heroes they needed at that moment. Not the ones Not they the deserved. Ones they deserved. <laughs> and, exactly. And <laughs> hey, Totoro's head shaped like Batman's cow. <sighs> oh. Now spinning theories on the internet. But like, <laughs> it's the kind of thing where it's just like, they service what they need to for these children in the moment of need. And sometimes you just need to have a whimsical journey with a big giant rabbit thing that roars at you and ride a cat bus mm. and makes you feel good. I would not get in that cat bus. That thing is scary. No, you would. That's the whole point. Because Shane, I'm glad that you said that. I was going to bring up a similar point mm -hmm. is that the purpose that they serve is just companionship, right? Even though I yeah. said no granny slander, like she's not necessarily the companion that the two daughters need. They need people who are just going to be there and let them be anxious about the situation of their dad never being around and their mom being sick again. So yeah, not honestly, the more I talk about it, the more I like it because yeah, this is, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a lot of fun, but I, I think Arietti is my other favorite Ghibli movie out of the few that I've seen. And it's very similar where it's just mm -hmm. like, the borrowers need to find companionship or yeah, they want companionship and that's why there's only the three of them in the little family. And then there's a sick kid upstairs who wants companionship also. It's just like, Hey, look, it's a bunch of people just living their lives 
maybe they have a difficult situation going on and here's this little time period and it doesn't need to be like, all right, this plot point leads to this plot point. You know, Woody needs to realize that he, he can't be so stubborn or anything like that. It's just like, Hey, we're just chilling and learning life lessons along the way. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I guess like the, Sounds the, like the you, word don't, that... you don't agree. <laughs> no, like it's just sure. Like, I feel like the word that I was thinking of, as you were saying that is like, this movie's just kind of like, harmless like it's not necessarily reaching for to me reaching for anything again i think my expectations might just be too high for studio ghibli films sorry studio ghibli um films because like because these are considered some of the best films of animated films of all time like it like i think in a, in a lot of especially movies fan it's either pixar or studio ghibli and then like a long list down and then cartoon salute any other studio yeah and then like any other any other people like these like it's i think it's i think it's held in the film community as highly as pixar and i just like i i didn't really i didn't connect the spirited away at all but like i really liked how's moving castle castle of the sky like i really like some of that stuff uh, i don't i don't really love it but i i just how, how how much of this is expectations going into a movie and i like i also didn't see this in the best viewing environment i watched it with some friends and they were trying to to name a Pokemon for every character that appeared on screen, and I love them, but yeah, well, we, we had to, we had to rewind easy. the film a few times because well, we missed something. Like we said, it's like it's not that your expectations were too high; it's that they were just aimed in the wrong direction. Like you're looking for a Toy Probably, Story yeah. or Incredibles adventure or something like that, and that's not at all what it's trying to be. Well, sure. I think my biggest warning for anybody who's going to dive into anime in general. Because I had this problem too, because I struggled a lot initially with anime pacing versus American animation pacing. Mm -hmm. Because most American animation has kid pacing. Like yeah. it is going, 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 going nonstop because we can't trust American kids to just, you know, settle into something and appreciate it. There's no expectation like that here. It's very contemplative. It takes its time. It lets you live in a moment. And that's a hard adjustment. And I think it's a, a lot of a cultural thing, too, to be able to, like, shift what you're expecting out of art when you're not, you don't have a great experience with it. Like, some of these films I had to watch a couple of times to really feel an appreciation for them because I just which was great for the B-plot today, didn't mm. connect or didn't quite understand it at first. And mm. not even, understanding is a bad word. It's, I didn't, I didn't gel, I guess, with how the films are made because it is very different. And that's why I do think it's important to warn people, like if you hop in and watch one of these films, it's not going to be like an animated movie that you probably expect to experience. And even for Pixar, which is generally considered top tier american animation they still have kid pace and they still yeah. need to be keeping your attention at every single second you either have to be funny exciting fearful something exactly and that's not this there's a very different expectation and like i remember watching ghost in shell for the first time and realizing that it is methodical it takes its time you're drenched in the atmosphere and that's part of the experience but it is very different so just a warning and some perspective, at least what my journey has been with these films is really connecting with the different kind of filmmaking that they 
have in terms of that approach and what Hayao Miyazaki did for animation. Mm. Yeah, that helps. I I probably just need to sit on this movie more and I probably need to like watch it again, maybe like by myself. And like if, if people that are listening like are big Studio Ghibli fans, like tell me which one like you think I would actually really enjoy. Like because I, like I was telling my friend, I think I just need that one that I like really fall in love with for me to just be like, all right, that's that's it. I'm watching the whole catalog like, you know, because I love this one that much. And like, look, I really like Grave of the Fireflies, but it's not a solid like firm set in stone top one you know like i've heard my friend um bought all the studio they released a line of steel books for all the films and so he bought all of them so he gave me his copy of uh from up on poppy hill and he really wants me to check that one out well like i've heard really good things about the wind rises and um and, the wind uh, rises name, is like one of his most adult mature kinds of things because it's like a biopic kind of film and it's like about a man who makes planes and stuff like that. And it was an interesting film because at that point that was going to be his last film. And mm. it was and definitely said that a few like, times. From what I understand, <laughs> he's making more movies. So yeah, he has a new one coming out this year, I think. Yeah. yeah. So well, so yeah, like that one, or like I haven't seen uh, Robert. You said Secret World of Arietti or Princess Mononoke. Like I, I think it's just going to take one of these for me to. And I feel like one of those things too that like maybe once I finally get it, once it clicks, because man, I this is gonna be the weirdest comparison ever, but like I kind of feel like lost in like early stages of wanting watching Quentin Tarantino movies, because like when I saw a couple of Quentin Tarantino movies for the first time, when I saw Pulp Fiction and um, Inglorious Bastards and um, Django Unchained, I was like. I don't get these movies. I don't like them. They're not good. Why does everybody love them? Then I saw, um, uh, I think, Reservoir Dogs. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I rewatched it. And now I'd love all three of the other ones. Like, But I think it was just like, I kind of feel like we're, I just don't quite get it. And I need to just, I think it's one of those I need to expose myself a little bit more to this studio. Um, and then it'll finally click. And then I'll just wind up going back and be like, yeah, Spirited Away is the best animated movie ever, you know? Because that's what it is on the letterbox. It's the number one anime. Uh, I want to say really I wish I had seen well. a few of these when I was a kid. Like specifically Totoro and Arietti. If I had seen them when I was little, I'm sure I would be a huge Ghibli head now. Yeah. Which is funny. I didn't like, watch- yeah, it's, it's just they're, they're, they, they're so stimulating, I think, in terms of imagination. Yeah. I could just imagine myself being friends with the little borrowers or imagine myself running off and finding my own Totoro. Obviously, now I'm 26 years old and I don't really need that in the same way, but I can appreciate it in a, di- in a different way. But I think some of these are good to show kids. Yeah. And I guess that's the other thing, too, is like my, the, the when I'd seen Howl's Moving Castle, like I was I think the only Studio Ghibli film I saw before before I like graduated college was Spirited Away once when I was in elementary school and like early enough that I don't remember anything about it except for like the first 20 minutes. And it's quite possible we watched the first 20 minutes and then you know we had a substitute that that day so i never got to see the the next half or whatever so like yeah i I, I think if i would have seen this 15 20 years ago maybe totally different story maybe maybe i connected to it differently or something but yeah i would love i would love to see this as a seven-year-old it's interesting because i never saw any of these until i was an adult and i i saw bits of princess mononoke i remember that giant boar from the beginning of the movie just being terrified as a kid being like what is mm. this that, that's exactly <laughs> what i'm talking about that thing's freaky in the very first scene yeah i don't i don't know that i have anything else to say about this it, it, it was delightful I, I had a smile on my face most of the time 
but when when the credits were rolling, I but was you really hated enjoying it. it. No, like <laughs> I'm going firm liked it. Just again, the more the more that we have talked, the more I just realized I was expecting something different, and that's not fair to the movie. And so yeah, like it's it's totally fine for a movie to just be what it is and not have to be next level simply because people love it. So that leads me to unless you guys have any any other things that you want to mention. Which leads me to the question, is this movie a goat? If we are assembling the Criterion Collection, are you adding this? Um, I'll kick us off by saying honorable mention, but no. But I would add Howl's Moving Castle or Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, This one doesn't quite make the cut. But I certainly would throw some Studio Ghibli in there. Um, Just probably not this one. Shane? 100%. (laughs) All right, Robert, tiebreaker. Oh, tiebreaker. I think just based on where I put it in my rankings, I have to say yes, because I think I put the some of the ones after it in. So, yeah, I'm going to say yes. It's also okay. a part, if you count Muppet Christmas Carol, it's also the highest rated uh, animated movie I have on here, though that's not that many. Right. Oh, I would have loved to talk about Muppet Christmas Carol. We both really <laughs> like that. I am curious, Shane, uh, or I, I'm not curious. I, I I am, like, not mad about that at all, because I think, like, Shane's right. There's enough, to, like craft and inspiration here that Miyazaki makes that like really influenced a lot of modern animation and a lot of like that you know, even Japanese animation so like from a technical standpoint alone sure like you can't be mad about it at all so Nightmare Before Christmas would still be my highest um, animated film that we've talked about so as far as where they've gone in our list I did a little shuffling around about this area but I put it at 33 so um, just below the good the bad and the ugly but above um, Rocky and Shadow of a Doubt Oh my gosh, Aaron. (laughs) Having Rocky and and, and whatever the other, good, bad, the ugly solo, it just hurts me to hear. Sorry, man. Sorry. Sorry. I I came across so much more mean than I meant it to, but. It's it's funny because I look through the list of all the films that you've done. And if I look at my own personal favorite films, top films and good, the bad and the ugly would be number one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. That's fine. Um, Robert, where did this land for you? Nineteen after Akiru and before Sherlock Junior. Nice, um, Shane. I asked you to to kind of give him an estimate. We've done forty six films so far. About where does this land for you? Out of it's the ones interesting you see? because I was looking at all the films and I still feel like this would probably land somewhere in the middle. But you've watched a lot of great films. So Middle is not there, like a... Yeah, know, I was sitting there looking at this list and I'm like, dang, there's some greatness on here. Which makes sense. That's the whole entire point of this show. So, mm-hmm. but I, Rocky being at a 35 out of 46 is not a negative in any way. My you know. my Italian-American blood is boiling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, the, the Rocky is, is above Citizen Kane. Just that's outside all that Philly, too. The whole point of this episode is to say that My Neighbor Totoro is better than Citizen Kane. By five movies. I would definitely want to watch my neighbor Totoro more than Citizen Kane. Yeah. Put it that way. So so you said about the middle of this of this list? Yeah, probably. Which which again, like the the lowest one I have is eight and a half. Like I think the only ones the bottom like four, I would say are really the only ones that I didn't have a good time watching. Eight and a half, the birds, Fantasia, and White Christmas. Like, you know? So yeah. Anyway. Any other thoughts on that? Or are you guys ready to move on? Let's move on. Next month, Robert and I will be talking about the Philadelphia story for our like February rom. Oh, it was a uh, Roman holiday was the one that 
Philadelphia story was up against and Philadelphia story. Uh, yes, Philadelphia so. story, the most odd casual showing of violence against women in cinema. Oh, I'm sure we'll right. get into it. <laughs> oh, you I'm will sure within the first 30 seconds of the movie. Okay. I don't remember. I've seen this before, but it's been a few years now. What does oh, that say about you, Robert? I, I will go out of my way to listen to that episode because I want to hear your reactions to the first minute of this movie. Okay. Well, you can hear it in a month. Yep, there you go. We won't watch it until well, I'm waiting you know, a day before we record. <laughs> so we'll move on to the B plot. I just kind of picked this one because I we don't have like I have a list of things to pick from, and it just seemed why not? So this isn't necessarily indicative, although as as you both mentioned, like it kind of is <laughs> based off of your experience. Movies that you've grown to love. Luke suggested this a while back. So something you didn't care much for on the first watch, but now really love. So I tried to think of this in terms of movies that I would have said, you know, m- middle of the scale downward to our, you know, now really close to the loved it camp, if not in the loved it. I have seven picked. How many do you guys have? I put five. Six. Okay. I'll kick us off then since I have the most. I will say Wally. I saw it, I think, in the theaters. And I think it was just, I was in a weird phase. This is 2008. So I was. 13 at the time and i think 13 was just that weird age where it was like i'm too grow, i'm too old for animation and like not old enough to be like animation is great because nostalgia so it was one of those where it's like you know you're too cool for animation and so i just remember like not liking wally at all in the theaters and then i watched it again in college and i'm like all right wally is like one of the best films ever made so shut up 13 year old aaron <laughs> i just like i said i think it was just that like Teenage dirtbag era, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, Robert, why don't you go next? Let's uh, let's rip the band bandaid off and just say I love Batman v Superman, but uh, we don't need to dwell on this too much. I don't. I didn't have many movies I could find to fit th- this description. I'm not a Snyder fanboy, but I do like Batman v Superman, the Ultimate so, Edition, right? The like, Ultimate the Edition, cut. yeah. I've, yeah, I've so, only seen the, the ultimate edi- cut edition ones. is significantly better, but I won't fight. It's, very, it's a very good movie. Shane, so Robert's going to appreciate this. It is Swiss Army Man because I watched it the first time like farts, and it's a corpse. <laughs> Farty corpse. I feel like there's something here, but I don't get it. And then I watched it the second time. I'm like, wow. I feel like my eyes were open, and I'm like, like Manny. <laughs> and the second time i watch this i'm just like there's something profound about this and i was thinking about this the whole wrong way so swiss army man them my entire experience with swiss army man is when i was in college one of my roommates was watching it and so i watched like 15 of minutes of the middle of the movie and i was like what the hell are you watching and um, i actually really want to check it out now I really wish I could make it to that Q&A that Daniels are doing at Lincoln Center, but right? just can't make it work. Yeah. Um, so it's my turn again. I will go with Hot Fuzz. I really didn't like this movie when it came out, and that upsets me because I adore Hot Fuzz now. All of these movies that I picked are on my favorite movies of all time list, by the way. And it's just one of those that I, I think it was... I did. I wasn't piecing together that it was the like uh, in the same vein as Shaun of the Dead, where it was really supposed to be more of a comedy. I remember thinking it wasn't very funny. Like, like it, this came out in what two thousand seven, right? I was twelve. Forgive me. <laughs> so 
Uh, and I loved Shaun of the Dead, but like I saw Shaun of the Dead as a funny, you know, a zomcom, and there wasn't any of those at that point. So I saw I saw this movie is supposed to be like a a like a funny cop movie, and I didn't think it was very funny. And I thought that the whole twist about the whole community being on it was just stupid, and it's kind of felt like good. a train wreck at the end. And I think it's the funniest of the Cornetto trilogy by far. I think it's the best of the Cornetto trilogy. I think it's one of my favorite. It's my second favorite Edgar Wright film. Yeah, I love everything about Hot Fuzz now. And I just think one of those things that expectations versus what we actually got. But thank God the movie that I wanted wasn't made. Um, Hot Fuzz rules. You've got a mustache. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Robert, what's your next pick? So it turns out all but one of these are franchise entertainment fair. So Spider-Man Far From Home, which I've grown to really love. And it's like my top. <laughs> Here's a backhanded compliment. Out of all of the movies that aren't real movies in the MCU, it's my favorite. <laughs> I think Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther are the only real movies in the MCU. The rest of them are something else. And, I, and this is my favorite of the something else. Wow. Nice. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, I really like this one. I think this is my favorite Spider-Man movie, like including the Raimi's. But yeah, disrespect to Cap over here. Sorry, <laughs> Shane. What's your next pick? Raging Bull. I watched this mm. in cinema class in high school and thought, why is it just two angry Italian men yelling the f word at each other for two hours? I could go to Thanksgiving and see that. <laughs> <laughs> And then I watched it as an, which that really bothered my friend Joe because it's his favorite movie of all time. And I'm just like, I remember telling him, Joe, I have to tell you, I hate Raging Bull. <laughs> Broke his heart. And then I watched it again for my Scorsese series. And I'm just like, you know, 16-year-old Shane was not ready for this movie. I don't think 16-year-old Shane was mature enough for this movie. Yes. And it's part of it, the amount it? of depth. Well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like. You can't fully grasp most Scorsese films as not an adult. Because I feel like yeah. there's so many things underneath that just don't click without some kind of maturity and experience there. And Raging Bull, I feel like, is one of them. And as an adult, I think it's pretty incredible. So there you go. I'm excited to rewatch this one. Someday. My turn again. Uh, about time. I remember this movie came out and I remember hearing that it was like different and original and really, really, really good. And I remember watching it and be like, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. It's not worth a watch again. And then when I joined Civ Pop stuff, everybody was like, hold on, this movie's incredible. It's really great. Like, you know, it's super overlooked. It's, it winds up being incredible. And I watched it and yeah, it's in my top 10 of all time now. So, oh, so you don't think for yourself is what you're saying? Pretty much. <laughs> that was one of two films that I think Robert can take full responsibility for getting me to actually watch. Is it that and Bo think, Burnham? Yep. Nice. Inside. I think it was. No, I think for the uh, for for about time, it wasn't the original thought thing. It think it was. I just didn't. I didn't get what it was. I didn't remember anything about the movie. I think it was one of those I was half paying attention to when it first came out. So when you half pay attention to any movie, you're not gonna like it. So, but. It's charming and it's wonderful and it's great. So, Robert. Blade Runner 2049. I was not into that the first time I saw it. And then I watched it again and I was into it. And isn't that the story of all of these movies for us? <laughs> what yeah, what changed though? Like, what, what specifically is it? I don't know. I couldn't, I guess I couldn't get on board with the um, 
with a slow pace the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. And then I, maybe it was just a maturing thing. I got into the idea of what it means to be human. Um, and oh, I was human. in the right headspace the second time I watched it. God, the first time I watched this was a 10 o'clock screening on an opening AM or night. PM? PM. It was not good. And your headspace was, like, I want to go to bed. Yeah, honestly. Oh, I would have killed for a 10 a.m. screening. AMCs, bring back your 9.30 screening so I can go at 9.30 in the morning and be alone <laughs> in the theater and watch my movies. <laughs> Shane, what's your next pick? The Terminal. And I don't love Ooh, this film, but I like this a lot more. And here's the story. I'm a 13-year-old. It's 2004. All I want to see is Shrek 2, my fifth favorite movie of all time. And I'm with my aunt Based. and my brother. And my brother wants to see white chicks. He doesn't want to budge. I don't want to see white chicks. I want to see Shrek 2. My aunt's solution? The Terminal. <laughs> and I just hated it. As a 13 year old, everybody lost that day. And then I, I like all three it. of the movies you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> and then I rewatched it for my Spielberg series on Welcome to the Wasteland. And I'm like, you know what? I was too harsh on this film because I was just mad out. It wasn't Shrek 2. So there you go. It's no Shrek 2, but it's really good. <laughs> I still wish it was Shrek 2. Tom Hanks <laughs> needs to take a break from accents. He, oh my god. He he got his ego inflated after Forrest Gump thinking he should do it the rest of his career. But no. Pinocchio, Elvis, Lady Killers, Terminal. No. No to all of them. Man called Otto. I feel like that was just more grumpy. Yeah, it was just being grumpy. Grumpy's an accent. <laughs> <laughs> if grumpy, Grumpy's an accent, Kurtwood Smith is top tier. Fair. Uh, I'm going to say Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. When this movie came out, I was so uninvested in the Harry Potter movies. And I think it's the best one now. So, yeah. Be specific. Why? Oh, because (laughs) it's actually legitimately great. It's got great world building. And I I like uh, the the Umbridge as as a villain. Uh, And it has the, like, it was one of those that, like, it came out. And I still don't like Goblet of Fire. And so it's just like. I don't care about what is, happens is it next. Because it, Dumbledore these aren't fun anymore. Probably. Dumbledore yelled because, at you, didn't he? Is, is it because Probably. he yelled at Harry and the audience when Look, it said he softly asked Harry, "Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire?" Here's here's the other thing, and I didn't read the books either as a kid. I, uh, I or as an adult, um, <laughs> <laughs> when these movies came out, we would watch them by means of not in the theater. And not on a legally owned disc, if you catch my drift. So you're laying it all pretty thick. As you remember, <laughs> these uh, look. Speaking look, of unsubtle, are on I the surface. I make better changes. I make better choices now. <laughs> the uh, those films are are very dark in color, and so they're very hard to see what is going on. So that also definitely hurt my experience. So, yep. if anyone wants more details on how you feel about Harry Potter, yep. Where can we hear you yelling about it? Oh probably this podcast feed about a year ago okay (laughs) my next one is another franchise movie and that is star wars episode 8 the last jedi which i came out of speaking of expectations i was expecting totally something totally different and it doesn't do anything that you might expect and i said what where are ray's parents what snoke is dead what's going on and then i sat with it for a minute and watched it again and i said hey this is actually really good and there's my story. 
to add on to Ooh. your story, everybody should have just listened to the trailer when Luke's like, this isn't going to go yeah. the way that you think. They were trying to warn us. Yep. Shane. Her. So I can admit something about myself, and I'm an extreme robophobe. The idea of this movie was absolutely terrifying to me, and I hated it for that reason. I'm like, this guy's falling in love with a robot. I -hmm. cannot handle this. Mm -hmm. And then I watched it calm down and not judgmental, and I'm like, this is a really good movie. (laughs) So there Mm -hmm. you go. There we go. I'm going to mention a movie that probably you guys haven't thought about in 10 years, but The Adjustment Bureau. I really saw this movie. movie. You really like it? Yeah. Yeah. I saw it in theaters and really didn't like it. And then I saw it again, like as soon as it was on DVD, I was like, I really like that movie. And it's been a hot second since I've seen that movie, but I really like the adjustment bureau. Um, And uh, I think it's one of those that like, it's almost a shame that like nobody has mentioned this movie in the last eight years. So, well, I own it. It's somewhere up there. Me too. So, uh, there's some again, love. I really, really, really like this movie. I think it has a lot of interesting concepts, and I think that uh, all the cast plays off each other really well. Um, so, yeah. Robert? Uh, my last one is Jojo Rabbit, which I – it took me, I think, three viewings to finally get on board with it. I just – I didn't see the past the silliness, but once he, I was able to see Taika's Hitler as the intentionally over-the-top – caricature that he's supposed to be i was able to kind of lock into the themes of love and loss and parents and siblings and indoctrination and all this kind of stuff also alfie allen yells no stabbing and it makes me laugh every time (laughs) was it all the high hitlering no that's i still don't love it like that just gets old to me like i don't yeah it's just a little bit too much but like a lot of the i I mentioned on the sifties that uh sam rockwell is kind of terrible and see how they run I think he's about as good as he gets here in Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and that Steven Merchant scene is just so good. Um, yeah. The last two I have here is Fight Club because uh, when I saw this movie, I was a middle schooler and I wanted the first half of Fight Club and not the second half of Fight Club. I wanted, I didn't like when it veered into the Project Mayhem stuff. And then I became a high schooler and became angsty. And um, <laughs> then I liked, then I really liked Fight Club. And now I'm like, it's in the middle. Like, it's good, but it's not a top 10 of all time. Like high school, me was convinced. Um, so, uh, and then just The Godfather. I saw it for the first time and I'm like, it's good, but it's not great. And it could take an hour less of its runtime. And I'm just, hit, you know, bashing on all the Italians today, apparently, according to Shane's reaction. No, and and then I I saw that I, I, re, I just recently rewatched it on the new 4K transfer and after seeing the offer and it's great. It's incredible. It still could maybe use like 15 minutes off the runtime, but wait, it took you yes, until it is. that recently. Oh my goodness. To rewatch it. Okay. I'm glad you did. First time I saw it was only like five years ago. Like it was after I'd graduated college. Was oh, like, I thought I you said high school. I think <laughs> I said right. high school, but I was wrong. <laughs> it was a right. Yeah, no, I, I saw Goodfellas in high school. That was a requirement. My grandpa made me watch it. Yeah. I think, I think I, I saw it old. like, like the semester after I graduated college because I was living on my own in a city that I had never been before. So I didn't have friends. So I just watched a bunch of three hour movies. <laughs> so Casino yeah. and Godfather and all that. So anyway, I couldn't yeah. put Godfather part two because 10 year old Shane hated the second one. <laughs> Did love the first one right away. I also added one last one. Anchorman two: the legend continues. Mm, yeah. Because every so this one has grown on me like a tick. 
I cannot stop yeah. laughing at like 90% of the jokes in this movie. Uh-huh. And also, this was Adam McKay's transition to actually saying something. Because the commentary on 24-hour news cycles is way too accurate. And I'm like, wait a minute, this movie actually has something to say. And the whole stroking my shin thing and I'm a blind, I laugh so hard. <laughs> One of my favorite yeah. movie quotes to quote. <laughs> Was this before or after the other guys? It was after the other guys. After. After. I'd argue that that's where he was starting to actually say something. But I also haven't gone back to watch Anchorman 2 since it first came out. I feel like Anchorman 2 is so explicit that it's like, on, like, watching it again. Oh, so that's the Adam McKay thing being so explicit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other guys is relatively subtle. Yeah. Well, I'm like, wait a minute. This movie really is just a giant satire of 24-hour mm. news cycle with a bunch of dumb crap like drizzled on top of it to kind of distract you from the fact that like this is really depressing. Yeah. <laughs> and so then he went, I feel like he's swinging back that way because honestly I got that vibe with Don't, Don't look, look Up was a little bit sillier than like Vice. Christian Bale scared me at the end of that movie. When he turns to the camera, just like I know, I'm just like, oh no, wait a minute, maybe Dick rewatched... Cheney did run the country for eight years. I yeah, <laughs> I rewatched Anchorman recently, the first one, and uh-huh. uh, I always forget about the line where they say that Brick became a advisor in the Bush administration. Yes. There's very the much a jab, a political jab. Yeah. Well, and then it came I... true because he was Donald Rumsfeld. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> There's, there's so many things about that first Anchorman that I forget, except when I'm watching. Like when they introduce Brick, he's like putting mayonnaise in a toaster. <laughs> so stupid. Because Brick is. Uh, I'm rarely late. Hey Ron, I'm riding a furry tractor. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite one. I think Robert, we might have done this sometime, but like movie quotes that you say all the time is, I love like. It's the scene where um, Brick's at the anchor desk and Veronica Corningstone goes on the first time. He just looks up and he's like, you're not Ron. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. You're not Ron. (laughs) Well, there you go. So I promise that is my last one. All right. Well, that'll do it for the B-plot then. Move on to the spinoff then. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to tell everybody to check out or avoid? I'll be quickly. I'll be quick because it was already mentioned. I joined uh, Shane's podcast uh, recently to talk about Assault on Precinct 13, the original John Carpenter, and it's a good movie. It's worth watching if you haven't seen it. And it's a brisk, like, 92 minutes. So just like mm-hmm. my neighbor Totoro, uh, if you're used to watching these Goats episode for a three-hour movie, you know, you can watch both my neighbor Totoro and Assault on Precinct 13 and the time it would take you to watch them in Samurai. So... <laughs> That's one of the positives of John Carpenter now on my show. I'm like, God, I only need 90 minutes for most of these weeks. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Assault on the Precinct 13 was pretty pretty good. Uh, worth watching. Would recommend. Uh, Shane? EO. And before the Academy Awards roll around, you got to watch this Polish film about a donkey because it's so much more than that. And it's probably going to shock you by like the amount of craft and how much you're going to care about this donkey and then how much this movie's going to devastate you. Specifically we talk about, about the Banshees of Inishirin again, because I really cared about the donkey in that movie. It's tough. Uh, well, <laughs> was Eo nominated? Well, it was. Okay, I, d- I don't remember. Yeah, well, my response to that is, well, it was a pony. This shows how much you were listening. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I just remember seeing, because I remember the big the big thing was um, that RRR wasn't submitted for international, so I couldn't. God. 
got got nominated over T Swift because apparently that's a snub. But anyway, anyway, sorry. Continue. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> Shane, how how sad am I going to be watching the donkey movie? I I don't like it when animals are sad in movies. I really don't. Sad a lot. Okay, I, like I don't know lot. if I can watch this one. And how it's shot, like you could actually feel what the donkey's feeling. Like I'm, it's hard for me to explain how this movie is shot. That I feel like I felt the emotions of this donkey better than ninety percent of actors in most movies. Oh jeez, is so, it without spoiling it? Is it like a happy ending at all? No, oh, Jesus no, hundred okay. percent not. <laughs> I might I might be sitting this one out as as much as I want to see it. I'm gonna check it out. It's not it's not an easy watch. Just give me some. Robert, I've watched a lot of stuff in this new year. Not a lot of it has been like necessarily that great slash something I haven't talked about at length elsewhere. So I'm gonna call an audible here and talk about the 2019 film Murder Mystery. Starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, which I actually thought was quite solid. I was not expecting much out of this, but since I am now doing the review roundups, I want to be caught up for when a sequel comes out and there's a sequel to this coming out later this year. So I figured, let me watch Murder Mystery. This movie I'm is very it. fun. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's coming out soon, isn't it? This yeah, movie it comes is... out. I'm going to be reviewing that and Magic Mike. That's right. Shane is reviewing Murder Mystery and Magic Mike, all the double M sequels. Are they not the same movie? It's Murder if... Mike and Magic Mystery. Oh, got it. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see Magic Mystery. That <laughs> sounds very mysterious. It sounds like a Beatles album. <laughs> Honestly. Let me of. just, I'll, I'll finish this off by saying Murder Mystery was released June 14th, 2019. Knives Out was released November 27th, 2019. Which one really revived the genre? Back to you. <laughs> Shut up. Hey, <laughs> did Ryan Johnson take all of his friends on a European vacation? I don't think so. Until Benoit maybe... Blanc doesn't have an awesome mustache. <laughs> I'm just saying, no mustache on Benoit Blanc. Mm. Adam Sandler pulls off a good mustache. Well, Benoit Blanc will have a mustache for Glass Onion 3. Just you watch. I doubt no, it. Not three. He's going he's gonna to have a Perot mustache. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, if you're not going to have a mustache origin story in your murder mystery, at least have a mustache. And uh, (laughs) Knives Out and Glass Onion have no mustaches on their their detectives, murder mystery. I can't believe Death on the Nile ended with a a reveal of the true final form of a mustache. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. Ready for the third one comes out this year, apparently. Best murder mystery of 2022. How much better would that bathtub scene in Glass Onion been if Benoit had a Poirot mustache? He was playing Among Us, so it or would e- still not have been good. Kenneth Branagh as one of the people playing Among Us. Oh, oh, that would have been hilarious. If they had, had Ken- Kenneth Branagh, Robert Downey Jr. as Sherlock Holmes, and Adam Sandler for Murder Mystery, all playing Among <laughs> Us. And still Angela Lansbury. And, and Sam Rockwell from See How They Run. The no, Angela he's Lansbury. not allowed in anything else. He's barely allowed in See How They Run. <laughs> Angela Lansbury, the true queen of murder mysteries. Yes. Nothing gets past mm. Jessica Fletcher. And true. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. For some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Stephen Sondheim. Yes. But anyway. Well, that's because he directed The Last of Sheila, which Glass Army was inspired by. Anyway. Well, there you go. 
that's a wrap. So and then what's the what's the reasoning Shane. for Kareem? Because <laughs> just... nothing gets past him, right? Um, okay. <laughs> oh my. Remember that you can follow Robert and Shane if for some reason you still want to. Yes. <laughs> At the places they listed wow. on the top of the show. I will have their Twitter handles linked in the episode description. Hurt so myself just esteem. copy and paste over there. Follow Shane, not me. You can also and not check, uh, follow me on Twitter or Letterboxd. No, podcast don't follow him. <laughs> and <laughs> quick reminder, this hip-hop writer's room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you want to write for SifPop.com, uh, you can email writersroomatsifpop.com. As well as if you have feedback for the show or any questions that you want us to explore during the B-plot or simply to say how much fun you had on a scale of airplane to ambulance <laughs> this episode <laughs> and please don't forget to leave us a review on itunes or spotify wherever airplane you're two. listening <laughs> next week uh chris and jake will be joining me to talk about tombstone and the mask of zorro so um those films at least kind of fit the vibe that this episode had uh, and then in two weeks <laughs> right don't they, they have, have mustaches in that movie in tombstone yeah yeah I don't know about Mask of Zorro. Oh, that mustache, Kurt little. Russell. Mm. Um, in two weeks, we'll be talking about, Joe and I will be talking about Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Um, no mustaches in that movie. Um, if there were, they would get burned off. The only thing better is a flaming skull. That's what that's what Benoit Blanc should have in the next movie. <laughs> no, no, that's what Poirot should have in the new. <laughs> now that he does have his mustache, he should have a, that's a flaming true. skull. Flaming skull for Poirot, mustache for Benoit Blanc. And Adam Sandler can do whatever the heck he wants because he's Adam Sandler. As long as he can take his friends on a vacation paid for by Netflix, mm-hmm. he'll be fine. Make more basketball movies, Adam Sandler. <laughs> and next month, Robert and I will be back to talk about the Philadelphia story. Until next time, we got to get back to the writer's room. 